Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's Wednesday night. You know what that means. You're tuned in to the Wrestling Inc. podcast for all things that were AEW Dynamite. Hello and good evening to everybody watching us live. We appreciate you. I am Justin Labar here to bring you our post-AEW Dynamite podcast coming to you from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. As always on Wednesday night, north of the border in the country that is home to AEW this week. He is from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. He is a WWE referee legend soon to be hall of famer i predict he is the one the only he made counting three cool he is jimmy corderas jimmy how are you tonight again as usual how do you follow that introduction is it's going to be tough but i am much better after hearing all your uh your lovely accolades i appreciate it very much thank you just wait until tony chimble gives you the induction speech on the hall of fame stage Oh, I can't wait for that. It'll be like an old road trip. That's for sure. <laughs> and I and I bet you come out to the uh, podium to cool in the gang, huh? Uh, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, that would be interesting. Casey and the, Casey and the Sunshine Band. Maybe, maybe. Well, back in the day, we were nicknamed Waldorf and Stadler for a little while. So uh, who knows? Maybe we come out to the uh, Muppets. Little, mu- little Muppets babies. <laughs> all right, all right. Come out. You know, smoke smoking the cigarette as vintage Jimmy K did. Oh, it's been a long, long time, brother. So, <laughs> Jimmy here with me, uh, and uh, joining us again uh, uh, was with us Monday night. Back with us has been a great special guest here on Wrestling Inc. for the podcast. Hope we can get it uh, more to where it's not just special and he's just like a regular guest coming to us from Richmond, Virginia. He is the podcast man, Matt Coon. Matt, how are you this evening? Great to talk to you twice this week. 
It's been great, and I've never covered a AEW show for Dynamite, so I'm interested to do that. Great to see you guys. Always fun to be on Wrestling Inc. Everybody watching on YouTube, thanks for watching, and I'm glad to be here. Let's have some fun. Wow, inaugural AEW show here on Wrestling Inc. for Matt Coon. So, Matt, I'm going to warn you of a few things. It gets a little <laughs> crazy. There's a roll-up a time or two. There's some there's some things to, to 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 interpret, but I'm sure you'll be able to help me. You might be able to even educate Jimmy and I, because sometimes we find ourselves stumped on certain things. Uh, tonight, there was some good, there was some bad, there were some head scratchers. That's an AEW dynamite for you. That's all you need. It's it's kind of it's it's full of it's full of all those things. Before we get to that though, there are actually two uh, news stories I want to bring up, both AEW related. First, we'll talk about personnel and uh, and health. This one uh, coming from Fightful Select is the original uh, source here. They are reporting that Kyle O'Reilly, who has been out of the ring, uh, inactive uh, for quite a while uh, due to neck, uh, it's, it's been 18 months, in fact, due to a uh, neck injury, that he has been uh, backstage at recent AEW tapings, and there has been talk of O'Reilly returning to TV. No exact timetable, but uh, Matt, it would seem that Kyle O'Reilly, if he's back and there's talk of TV t- return he's back hanging out that uh you know he's another one who successfully can say that he had a a a neck scare neck injury had uh had it medically dealt with and could be on the other side of it with more of his career still to come so first off just good good news for him good for him part of a very you know unique and select group that can overcome a neck injury but with Kyle O'Reilly you talk about Roderick Strong you might think about Adam Cole you think about people he's synonymous with what do you make of this news and the timing of this news of his uh, potential return to TV? Well, first of all, as a level four fusion survivor who has not gotten over the surgery 100%, I'm so happy for Kyle O'Reilly. You know, a few months ago, he put out an Instagram post that seemed so sad and resigned. And uh, just it was everybody who read it just said, wow, I don't know if he's coming back. Like, so what great news is he going to be part of the devil crew? Uh, you know, if they're in the devil crew, maybe, you know, but, but, uh, definitely going to be involved with Adam Cole. Glad to see him back. It's always good to see, especially a few months ago. He did not think he was coming back anytime soon. So that's really great to see. He's a talent that like many others in the AW, they could make more of. So as you being our guest in the first AW podcast, I wanted to toss to you first. It was just kind of me just trying to be polite. I had no idea. Level four, what does that wow. mean? Give me some education. What does that mean, level four neck So surgery? four of my vertebrae were uh, were reassembled. But uh, for me, it was, you know how life's funny, right? So one day uh, I found out I had a spinal tumor right in the middle of my vertebrae. And it was affecting my hands and still does where I play guitar. And so uh, they not only had to have the fusion surgery, but they had to break the neck in the surgery too. So, um, and I'm a very large person, not just uh, overweight, but very tall. So it was a difficult surgery, took 10 hours during COVID. And now, uh, uh, you know, still in pain every day somewhat, but it's been a journey. And so anytime I see someone who's had fusion surgery or neck repair, my heart goes out to him because it is no joke. Wow. Wow. I did not. That, that you educated me a little bit there, and I, and and props to you for just dealing with that. I don't. That's nice. in, in, uh, you know, in life you have no choice. Just like Kyle O'Reilly, you know, he could make the he could be how he was talking in that last post and say, "Okay, I can't do it," but that guy obviously doesn't have any quit in him, and and that's an example for all of us. Wow. Yeah. For sure. 
uh, Jimmy, um, attached with what Matt just said, gave, giving it some more color to what the injury is here. Uh, your thoughts on uh, Kyle O'Reilly? And again, uh, his, his his he's known for his company with his uh, you know his undisputed era brethren, who are mm-hmm. certainly the talk of uh, a particular AEW storyline right now. Wow, that's that's amazing. But first of all, Matt, uh, we're thinking of you best always to you and uh, didn't realize you were going through such a, an ordeal yourself and, and glad you're getting better. For sure. Thank you so much, buddy. Yes. And and getting back to Kyle O'Reilly. Yes. You know, obviously, it's great news to hear that it looks like he's on his way back, especially after such a such a huge surgery. But at the same time, man. All you hope for is that he is okay and everything is okay with him. You know what I mean? You you think of his health first and foremost, and hopefully he doesn't rush himself back in, so to speak. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's and that's I think obviously that's probably the number one thing is you have to look to AEW Medical and make sure exactly. That, um, you know, and I can't, yeah, and uh, not to cut you off, Justin, it's, that's one thing I can't speak for for the, for their medical because I, I'm not familiar with it, but I know in WWE's case they're very very big on you know the medical aspect and getting cleared so uh to get cleared like edge did when he returned at that royal rumble he had to go through a lot of testing let's put it that way yeah and obviously all of us who are very in the weeds wrestling fans you know again we know kyle o'reilly and associate him you know as we said with roderick strong with adam cole but um you know, it's it's risk versus reward. Make sure he's ready to go before you deem it. It's 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 the right risk to take, and that he's worthwhile if he was to be revealed to be any part of these masked men or something like that down the road. So keep an eye on it. But nonetheless, congrats to you, Kyle O'Reilly, for uh, getting on the other side of this uh, this this next treatment, uh, neck treatment. Excuse me. Uh, other AEW story that I find interesting, especially if we look at the details here, uh, Jack Perry. Formerly known as Jungle Boy in AEW, but now some news is that Perry has filed a trademark the name Jungle Boy. Uh, he used it in his independent uh, wrestling career. He carried it over into his first uh, several years in AEW. Uh, the gimmick attorney, Michael Dawkins, handled the trademark on behalf of Boy Myth Legend Inc., which is Jack Perry's company. So this is interesting uh, for those who just are forgetting some recent history. We have not seen uh, Jack Perry since the altercation that happened in London backstage with CM Punk. It was the last altercation that ultimately would result in CM Punk's departure from the company. Uh, We believe that Jack Perry was at least suspended. I don't know if the suspension's up now, but he was at least suspended. We have not seen him on TV since. So there was some disciplinary action. Uh, Jimmy, I find this interesting is I, I know AEW does things a little bit different. I know that they tend to get, you know, they let their talent have a little bit more autonomy. They let, some of their talent gets to do independent stuff. Some of the talent gets to still hustle their own merch. Um, they, you know, they, 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 with contracts, they don't just cut contracts short when they want. They at least let contracts roll, you know, run to their natural uh, expiration date. So they give a little bit more respect, if you will, to talent. So I don't know when I hear that Jack Perry and his company filed for this trademark, I don't know whether that is just business as usual that AEW and Tony Khan's not going to ever try to own somebody's identity and their persona, or is this a sign of the opposite? Whereas Jack Perry's trademarking something because he's that he wants to go continue to use and build upon a brand that he started because his days in AEW are numbered and or 
expired. Like, what, 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 what do you, what do you make of this? And all your years around WWE and trademarks. Yeah, yeah it, it's interesting because it you you gave two scenarios, pos, potential scenarios there of what it could be, and I think it's somewhere in the middle, in my opinion. It's kind of like uh, they're not using the Jungle Boy name per se now. He is Jack Perry, but if he if they don't trade, if AEW didn't trademark that name. He's smart to trademark it himself because he has used it in the past. It becomes his, and any kind, any time that AEW has any kind of uh, use of his past performances, for example, for uh, do people even watch DVDs anymore or <laughs> whatever online streaming that sort of thing, they have to pay him for the rights to use the terminology Jungle Boy. So maybe it is just a business move on his behalf, and if it is smart for him to do it, if AEW isn't the type of company that goes out and trademarks these names. You look at the, like certain situations, we mentioned Ed, uh, the former superstar Edge, Adam Copeland, using the rated R superstar moniker right now, which is something that WWE didn't trademark, but it makes him, uh, people re, you know, say, yes, I know that guy. Because, you know, but there might be some people out there say, I don't know who Adam Copeland is, but I do know who Edge is. Um, yeah. I'm not not diehard wrestling fans, obviously, but you see where I'm going with this. I think it's 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 a smart move on his behalf to to keep the name under his umbrella for monetary purposes. Yeah, and that one's wild to me too. The radar superstar. I mean, I'm I mean, Matt. I'm not a lawyer. You know, I stayed at a Holiday Inn last week, but um, you know, I play one. But I help me out because Matt, you you were very versed in the world of music. Where I mean, trademark and copyright and ownership and royalty. I mean, I, I mean, like it's like bedrock to to the business and to creators surviving. Uh, what do you know? What do you interpret when you hear that Jack Perry and his company just now have trademarked Jungle Boy, just now coming off of months of absence via disciplinary action? Well, yes, for sure in the music world, but everything I really know about copyright and trademark, I learned from a good friend of mine that I've spent a lot of time with talking about it. His name is Mike Dawkins, <laughs> the gimmick attorney that you were talking about earlier. Uh, Mike's a very smart guy. Mike is the guy to go to if you want to trademark. But the other piece of insight I think I can offer is uh, Dax Harwood trademarked CMFTR a couple months ago, and it made some news. And I know for a fact in talking to Dax that that was 100% about protecting IP, intellectual property. And so I think this is more about what Jimmy was saying, protecting that intellectual property and also to that end, if he chooses to bring the character back one day, if he goes to WWE, still young, maybe he wants to use a Jungle Boy name. So to me, it's not a timely thing. It seems like something, you know, uh, I know Dawkins has done uh, stuff with friends close to him. So I'm sure maybe just Jungle Boy just had time to do it. And I, I think it's just protecting the intellectual property. Very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, good insight uh, by both of you. So, we'll, again, we'll keep an eye and we'll keep an eye just in general on Jack Perry. When, when if and when do we see him? Uh, resurface on AEW television. All right, uh, let's move into Dynamite tonight. Coming to you from Montreal, Canada, the Bell Center, a building that's got so much wrestling history. Um, big show here tonight. This is the second of two nights for them in Montreal. They did some collision tapings. Was it collision and rampage tapings last night? Or definitely at least collision last both, night. Both, both, yes. Okay. I believe. I believe. Uh, but two nights in Montreal. Oh no! So sorry. I th not to cut you off. I, I think it was ROH and Collision tapings, and I think they're doing Rampage tonight. I'm Rampage. That's a, that sounds right. I think that sounds right. Yeah. So two nights they in a row even, for. They don't even have Collision in Canada. 
which is well, it's funny you say that. It's it's kind of wild because the, the, the there was there was some chatter around social media yesterday about how low the attendance numbers were for tickets sold for the collision taping yesterday, and and and, and as Jimmy can attest to, you know Saturday night it's hockey in Canada. <laughs> Right, of course, and also the the uh, the station that airs AEW Dynamite up here in Canada does not air Rampage on their television uh, live or 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 Collision either. It, it, it's on their streaming service. So yeah. if you do want to watch it, you have to go to their streaming site. Yeah. So an interesting choice to to want to tape a Collision in a country where the distribution of it is not, is, is that so, but nonetheless, um, th- th- there's many things to, to, to talk about and <laughs> discuss mm-hmm. on that front, but we'll, we'll move it on. Uh, so we kick off with uh, one of the um, first of many continental classic matches tonight in this tournament, John Moxley versus Roosh uh, can definitely say uh, Roosh uh, getting some heat with the crowd. Uh, there was an interesting little moment where he does a little pose in the middle of the ring and, you know, Mox is a little flipping dude flips him off. Uh, this was a fun match. It, it, it was it was exactly what you think a Moxley match is going to be. They fight into the crowd a little bit. Um, ultimately, though, we're going to see Moxley get the win with a rear naked choke. I'm, I'm interested in both of you for two different reasons of your opinion of this. I'm going to go to you, Jimmy, first. Mox wins. I'm not surprised by Mox winning. He does the rear naked choke. And then they do this thing where right after he lets go of the hold, Roosh is up and, and, and might as well be doing jumping jacks and things. And commentary is explaining to us that maybe the bell, maybe the music, something... Awoke, Roosh, and now he's almost arguing the decision as if, like, no, he didn't pass out. Um, I think the decision on paper for Mox to win via submission is perfectly fine and suitable. But the the whole were they trying to are they trying to protect Roosh? What was the whole finish here to you? I I wish I could tell you it made absolutely zero sense to me. Like, uh, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed the match. I thought they had a good fight, and and and. The one thing that that gets me is after a match like that, they get a finish like this. I understand what they were going for. The referee calling the match off, which is something else that bothers me because, you know, he does call – the referee has been calling for end to matches during Wardlow uh, matches lately on on referee stoppage. That's what this felt like, a referee stoppage. Yes, he had the rear naked choke on. His arms fell. Check the one arm at least and let it fall before you call for the bell – so it doesn't seem like, uh, again, referee stoppage, so to speak, which is what somebody else's gimmick is. And that being said, like you like you said, Justin, it felt like he pretty much no-sold it afterwards. He got up before <laughs> the guy who applied the submission got up, and he was complaining that, hey, what are you doing? I, you know, at least sell a little bit. Look a little confused. It doesn't have to take long, but look like you were out and you're just coming to and realizing what's going on and going, hey, hey, what the heck's going on here? You know, it yeah. just, it, it didn't work for me. Okay. So I, I want, obviously I wanted Jimmy's interpretation just from a referee who's been involved in thousands of finishes. Uh, Matt, you're, you've been a wrestling fan for decades from all that I've been able to pull with talking to you. You're a very smart wrestling fan. You're kind of a, a straight shooter, no bullshit. What was your reaction to this? Am I am I nitpicking? Are we nitpicking here, or did it come off as a no sell? What did you see with this? My opinion was that Roosh did not want to lose, and he he in real life, you know, and he lost, and he just got up and said, "Well, that's the deal. If I'm going to lose, I'm just going to take the pin, then get back up." You know, uh, Roosh has had you know some precedent in his life and in his career that sometimes what happens between the four. The, in, in the squared circle there, 
he gets to decide what happens. So, you know, like with Moxley and other people, it's like they're fighting for their life in there. And he definitely has star power. He definitely has a lot of potential. But this seems a lot like a, a lot of things I've heard about him, about, you know, uh, this particular thing where he takes the choke out, then he gets up because he's still Superman. He, it's, I think he, Roosh was taking care of Roosh opinions so, so so in your opinion you think commentary on the fly was having to to do some cover absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. they, they you know they do it a lot you know they're they have to cover up stuff and and we've seen it a few times in aew but to me it's like oh we better explain that because that's the crew they have they're they're good at that I, yeah i mean they, they certainly put their best effort towards it here and in other situations i can think of if i'm john moxley uh, if that's if that if that's exa- if that's how it went down, of course the three of us are just speculating. We're not there. We're just speculating based upon what we saw. But if that's how it actually went down, if that's the truth, if I'm John Moxley, I'm hunting his ass down. Mm-hmm. Who it the is, f are you? Who are you? Uh, it's also possible that that was the negotiation that was made for the loss. You know, like backstage. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll lose, but I'm not going to be hurt. And they're like, fine, whatever. You know, what I'm saying like uh, to me, that's what it seems that it's at the very least that. You know, uh, to me, that seems very possible. Definitely very possible. Uh, let's call some wrestlers court on that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It just seems. It, it just it, three, again, three points to Moxley. Yeah, there you go. Three points to Moxley. It I mean, does take it got, does take take you out as a fan a little bit though. It does take you out. You know? That's that's what I, that's the yeah. point I was exactly Matt. That's the point I was trying to make after a hard fought match like that that I was into and watching that ending took me out of it. Yeah. Yeah, that was it was weird. Um Moxie gets the win, so he he right now is ascended uh in his in his division. I forget which color his. I think he's gold. Uh <laughs> on his side of the bracket. Uh he's up there with nine points. Uh he's gonna have somebody uh moving up there with him uh here in a little bit that we'll talk about. All right, so uh speaking of John Mox, we go to Mrs. Moxley. We go to Renee Paquette. Renee is uh on the ramp with Roderick Strong and the kingdom, and it's a miracle Roddy can walk. He stands up, he sheds the wheelchair. No longer will the wheelchair hold him back anymore that was a statement he wanted to make and uh matt again i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna draw to you with uh your guy you appreciate equipment you appreciate audio you pre- he makes his whole promo great 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 he's entertaining he screams everybody's names and then he spikes the microphone like it's a football and a touchdown and the mic goes flying uh, into the crowd and if i'm hearing i'm hearing I'm, I'm reading things about how this disciplinary committee is finding talent for social media posts and policy. If that's the truth, when are we going to start finding on abusive equipment? It's coming out of your paycheck, pal. What is that about? Man, it's almost as if the company was owned by a billionaire. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, <laughs> because, because he's probably like, you know, I want to exert this control over the tweets, but what's a microphone? You know what I'm saying? Like, what what's a microphone to me, really? You know, so I can see, uh, you know, you know, the parallel there for sure. Um, Roddy Strong. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> one of the funniest quotes. It's almost like the company was owned by a billionaire. Yeah. Uh, you know, as far as Roddy Strong segments, I, I tweeted this. I said, the Roddy Strong segments are for people who like comedy and wrestling, but hate laughing. You know, they're, it's, it's not funny. Uh, comedy should be funny. But hopefully what we saw was Roddy Strong getting rid of this whole thing. You know, maybe throwing the wheelchair off is their way of saying, okay, this is very unpopular. Uh, let's get rid of this this idea and maybe go forth as more of a straighter, uh, you know, straighter acting act. All right, Jimmy. Uh, one thing to note here is that if Roderick Strong is now able to be vertical again and now makes him applicable even more so to be part of this masked devil crew, 
Um, I, I don't know what you make of that prediction or speculation, but uh, what was your take of this segment overall of Roderick Strong? Uh, he's he's no longer going to be held back by that wheelchair. Well, I, I prefer it that way. And we're finally, you know, I think it was long enough in the wheelchair. It's a, it, it, it was overdone, let's put it that way. And yes, I guess he, I get he was trying to uh, sell whatever the heck he was trying to sell. <laughs> let's put it that way. But finally getting him out of the chair was a good deal. And because it does add more speculation. And at least now it's got people thinking who is behind that devil's mask. It adds another name to the list. So it's not as, oh, I know for sure it's so-and-so, or I know for sure it's so-and-so. You can make a case for certain individuals. Like if, if for even Adam Cole, if his, if his injury wasn't as legit as it is, you could have made a case for him as well. It's in, you know, that's the best thing about it. It adds more questions to, yeah. could it possibly be him and makes people I think people get more invested in him if they think along those lines. Because right now, like like Matt was alluding to, people were seeing him in this situation with the wheelchair and the neck brace and everything, and they're going, "Yeah, here we go again." Yeah, uh, yeah. There's a lot to uh, start to talk about with the devil. As it's, I hope we're getting down the final stretch. We'll get to that here soon. So. Uh, hold your questions and thoughts to that. Uh, Renee on the spot. She's backstage now with Hangman Adam Page, who he looks like he's like arriving to the building. Um, and she stops and talks to him. He concedes that he did, in fact, lose to Swerve Strickland in a Texas death match, but that it's not over. And he's talking about how he took something from Swerve and that he's not going to ever let Swerve get something. It almost feels like he's saying he's never going to let Swerve become champion, but they don't actually say it. They kind of keep a certain level of vagueness. But we do know Hangman is not settled with swerve we know that and this is all happening right outside of mjf's locker room mjf then appears and then these two mjf and hangman proceed to trade uh you know bars at each other and, and 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 compare resumes and talk about their history they have with each other um and then mjf actually accuses hangman of maybe he's the devil uh to which you know hangman fires back and then we get get ready we're gonna have a physical you know a brawl happen and samojo steps in and stops that fight from happening uh jimmy what uh you know hangman uh, keeping stuff alive with swerve for whether it's now or later down the road but then the interaction with him him and mjf uh, uh what what stood out as out in this entire interaction is noteworthy yeah the the thing that stood out the most for me is this is the most heelish We've heard MJF in the last, I don't know how many weeks, because he'd been coming off as more of a baby face <laughs> in, in recent uh, uh, time as, as a champion. But tonight he sounded like the 100%, you know, Hangman was the baby face and MJF came, came off sounding like the 100% heel in this thing, which I found very interesting, especially because the crowd has been getting behind MJF the way they have. And I like the idea of, of Joe coming in and saying, look, it's, you know, he's my responsibility right now. I have to look after him until I get my shot at him. So yeah. and, until then, nobody else gets to put their hands on him, or so to speak kind of thing. But uh, that was the only thing I found interesting about that whole segment was that MJF came off as old school heel MJF. Matt, this was the first we've seen Hangman uh, since his loss in the Texas death match. Uh, did this interaction segment do anything to help Hangman? It's, it's this poor guy, you know, like, uh, you think about the swerve feud, you know, um, the guy broke in his house, uh, cut a promo on his kid and then beat him in a death match. Like 
then he gets out here and he um, gets upstaged by Swerve again. Then he gets beaten a promo battle by MJF and gets punked out by CM or by Samoa Joe. Like he's portrayed as weak. They haven't known what to do with Adam Page from the very beginning. You know, um, he's portrayed as weak, and the, Swerve is not a good feud for him. We saw that. You know, if Swerve took a, if Hangman took anything from Swerve, it's the ability to be on the same level because Swerve is now on a higher level than Hangman, and um, it's. Uh, they need to do different stuff with Hangman. They don't know how to how to make him a compelling babyface character. That's Jimmy, interesting. Ahead. No, no, it's just it, it made me think uh, to ask Matt if he thinks that he's getting Wardlow right now because the, the again missed opportunity with Wardlow. They're trying to get that back. Is this happening now with Hangman Page? No, I think that happened a while ago with Hangman Page. Now he's just he's getting up ended in feuds. You know, like uh, I think with Wardlow, he just kind of disappeared. Right, he dropped off the face of the earth. But him against Swerve, and then Swerve being the bad guy, supposedly, and Hangman being the good guy, supposedly, and Swerve's getting more cheers than Hangman, and Swerve is obviously on the up and up, so you need to put Hangman against somebody that he can look good against, and Swerve's not that guy. Before we move on in the show, I feel like this is a relevant uh, topic and point to ask this to both of you. Um AEW started in 2019. You had Tony Khan as the head of the snake, and then you, and then you had the, the EVP foundation of the Bucks, Kenny Omega, and Cody Rhodes. Obviously, Cody departed. He's, 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 he's doing big things in New York. Um, Kenny Omega, he's around right now. He, he actually has a match on, on the collision taping against Ethan Page, but you know certainly like his, it feel, you know, he's not like the focal point of the show. He certainly is maybe, maybe at the lowest priority point in terms of where uh, of where he's at in the booking than he's ever been in AEW, and then the bucks are off tv for a certain time supposedly to be in repackaged to have a heel turn whatever that means um hangman page was never officially an, an evp but he was kind of a de facto he was an elite guy right he was he's part of that 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 entourage that group i, I don't know even what to make of it it's just an observation it feels like the the elite that put the E into this entire company have, at least on screen, have never been less of a factor. And I don't know what that means. Matt, does that mean anything to you or, or am I, is, it just a, is it just booking coincidence? No, I think it's just the natural gravity of things. I think the Bucks have struggled to continue that excitement they had when AEW started, you know, they started uh, decreasing their 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 starship, you know, almost immediately after the show started bit by bit and have never really gotten a hold as far as, you know, being ratings draws or, or being someone that helps grow the audience. Kenny Omega is different. I think Kenny Omega is there when they need him to make a rating. He still gets ratings. He's there when they need him to make a big feud. If you do uh, All In, you know, in Wembley, he's probably in the main event. So it's kind of like, you know, taking the main event or just kind of, you know, setting him aside a little bit. As far as Hangman Page goes, you know, he was very involved in uh, in the Elite. I was backstage at StarCast 1, and I saw them all together a lot. Um, he definitely was as big a part of the crew as anybody, but, and I think he's someone that Tony Khan believes is still the future of the company, but absolutely it's, there's several, several changing tides in AW right now. And they're all seem to be colliding in different directions. And I think one of them is just finding ways to, um, uh, have different talent than the elite be on top. Yeah. Jimmy, what do you make of that? That's an interesting way that Matt puts it, that there's, several changing ties and they're all kind of creating like a, a hurricane 
collision here. Right. I think I think they're finally starting to realize, hopefully at least, that yeah, as much and I'm you know I've been accused of uh, being anti AEW. I'm not anti AEW. I want them to succeed, but I think they're starting to realize that we have to start catering to a broader audience. As I've said how many times, it's, it's they cater to that hardcore diehard audience, but they have to expand that that. Yeah. Your your television show needs to be more like a buffet where everybody gets uh, you got something out there for everybody, and more people want want you know to have a bite of something. And I think maybe that these guys as EVPs, we, you talk about you know disciplinary committees and then policing themselves, so to speak. It's almost like people in the EVP position should not be on air talents. You know? Well, 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 that and also in a, in a, in a carny cutthroat business like pro wrestling, if you if you the owner and booker of a company need to have a disciplinary committee, which which includes an active member of your roster might be the most upstanding moral compass that you could find, but still is an active member of your roster. So there's a conflict of interest and a conflict of just observation optics. Like if you're, you should be the you should be the one that hands out the discipline. You should be the bad guy. You're the one that's supposed to be the bad guy. Like you don't like, I don't know. It, it, I don't know. It, it it is it's a it's a there's a lot of interesting dynamics going on as we're finding out about mm -hmm. disciplinary committees and we're hearing about stuff from you know the punk situation and now and, with social social media they're dealing more with. Um, Right. But you're right, Jimmy. I mean, you, you want to draw more new fans, and as we go into the next match, which is another, which is another Continental Classic tournament match, to the point of we're seeing the numbers skew downwards for AEW, and I'm numbers meaning you know live attendance and, and, and that folk. I, I think a round robin tournament is the exact opposite thing that you do, because it's like you're taking twelve guys round robin. The, so you're taking twelve guys who now you have to handcuff a certain number of minutes of tv to feature all these 12 same guys and it's a tournament and the only people that are interested in tournaments are people that are invested in that, that watch regularly so it's not something that's going to draw somebody new so uh that, that's another thing that kind of uh, scratched my head with this this tournament but nonetheless we have we have it here as we're on the uh back side of it is a continental classic match between mark briscoe and uh, swerve strickland swerve strickland obviously his stock way up in AEW right now some solid chops in this match uh pretty interesting spot on the outside a swerve suplex that he delivers from standing on top of the barricade. That got quite the moment and quite the pop. Ultimately, though, Swerve's going to win with the Swerve stomp. So he has nine points, so he is equal in his bracket to John Moxley. They're going to fight next Wednesday on Dynamite, and uh, basically the winner of that match is going to be the winner of their side of the bracket. So, uh, Matt, your thoughts on Swerve winning this match? And also, it's round robin, so, you know, Mark Briscoe, even if mathematically not favored or even possible, he still has to have matches and he could be a spoiler. Now, we see that in real sports. An NFL team might be mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, but they can still play spoiler and affect a team that could go to the playoffs. But I don't know. Uh, your, your thoughts on the tournament and on Swerve beating Mark Briscoe uh, and where we're at at this point in the tournament. I like the Continental Tournament for AEW for a few reasons. Um, okay. Number one, they need the differentiation. It's something that makes them unique, right? It's not something that, um, you know, it's not something WWE would do. And second of all, let's be honest, there are a lot of random matchups in AEW. So in my mind, this would compartmentalize the random, the random matchup aspect 
to one part of the show. You know, you could have sports entertainment, another part of the show. But for the fans, the diehards, the AEW fans, you give them these matches. But I think what we saw today was just too many matches. It was too much for me uh, to, you know, because I believe wrestling fans should care who wins or loses. However, and so the tournament's not for me. But at the same time, it does showcase what makes AEW different and 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 in some aspects better uh, with these great wrestlers doing these great things. But like I said, if it's compartmentalized in a place, it's there's a perfect spot to keep the fans happy and to keep the rest of the show wide open and to put your random matchups in one spot because this kind of fills that slot. Jimmy, I think that's a fair point by Matt. There, we, we can all agree. There are a lot of random match. Like, you know, Tony Khan likes to just throw out, like, here's a match. Here's a really exciting matchup. There might be not no heat or juice or story behind it, but... You're supposed to be a great wrestling match. Under the, the guise of this tournament, it at least kind of gives explanation to having these matches. It's all in the name of tournament. That's exactly what I was thinking. And just as Matt was making that point, I said, my goodness, is everybody reading my notes tonight? That's uh, there. Like you said, a lot of random pairings and matches. And yes, we know, we, oh, so-and-so versus so-and-so should be a really great match, you know, as far as in-ring entertainment goes. But as we know, it's a wrestling business so much more. And I know a lot of fans don't like this terminology, sports entertainment. There has, there's more areas of entertainment they need to um, approach in AEW, in my opinion. But the, to, to Matt's point about it being like giving a reason for having these random matchups, that's the biggest thing that they've gotten from this tournament is you have so-and-so versus so-and-so. Like today, you have Briscoe versus Swerve. Uh, what other reason other than this tournament would you put those two together? And yeah. and to be fair, you know, with the Mox Swerve matchup next week, it is creating some compelling, uh, you know, uh, reasons to watch because that's a match now I would like to see. I would have liked to see it before, but now there's a reason, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So Mox versus Swerve next week, both at nine points. So again, the winner, uh, I think, essentially, it's probably going to go to the finals of this tournament against the other side of the bracket, which. I would be. I think we'd all be stunned if it's not Brian Danielson on the other side of the bracket. Um, shout out to my co-host on Busted Open on Sundays, Jonathan Hood, who he called it to me several weeks ago when he said this whole Continental Classic is just the Brian Danielson Invitational because he never got to do the G one. Um, so that's where it seems like we're 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 at. Um, so Swerve versus Mox next gotcha. week. All right. Uh, up next, we get uh, the advertised match is Samoa Joe and MJF up against the Devils. Masked men henchmen. Samoa Joe makes his entrance first solo. He gets in the ring, and before we can ever get an MJF entrance, we get the flickering of the lights. And of course, we've been told by commentary that we've been learning that the devil and and the devil's henchmen they have the ability to, you know, take over the show. And they have effective lights and sound and video and all the stuff. So they start to lights start to flicker. Then we see I think four masked men surround the ring, surround Joe. Uh, kind of corner in, the lights go back out. They're, those masked men are gone. Then we see the devil briefly appear on the screen, and then it cuts to backstage. MJF has been attacked by what looks like a bottle, and he is laid out uh, and can do nothing. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to 
shop today. So Joe, of course, rushes backstage to uh, to get to his to his uh, tag team partner, uh, uh, Jimmy from the uh, you know breaking the kayfabe. We know MJF is injured. We know that he's nursing some injuries. So that makes sense to get him out of having to do any bumping at all. So that's there. From a storyline standpoint, it's another another compelling chapter. Oh, the devil and his his or her henchman strikes again. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you make of this? And you know, they leaned in a lot tonight. Even Taz, when the commentary was reacting to the dramatics, even Taz. Well, we didn't see the devil attack. It could have been MJF himself. And then I think at one point, Hangman accused. Like, so they're leaning right. into the fact that MJF could be it, which when they lean into it, it kind of makes you think, well, it's not going to be MJF then. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Me personally, I thought the devil was going to be revealed by fu- at full gear. That didn't happen. So now we're on the path to this World's End event in Long Island at the end of this month. Um, what are your thoughts on this? And who's And who's a suitable answer for who the devil is it's not going to be a disappointment uh that's a good question see and <laughs> and one thing you mentioned that that i thought about tonight that i didn't like what they did was like you said I, I, hangman mentioned it that maybe mjf is trying to pull a fast one and swerve everybody and he's actually the one behind the devil's mask so now what if that's the case what we saw tonight was a ruse against joe so that uh, you know matt uh, Max didn't have to have that match tonight and, and so on and so forth and, and pull a fast one on him. And it's just, it's, but as far as who could be a suitable um, reveal as the mass devil, it's got to be something that's going to make people go, oh, I didn't see that coming as opposed to, ah, I knew it was so-and-so. And uh, trying to think of who that could be I, I wish I had an answer for you, but, uh, you know, right now, the only one that it could, uh, would make me go, wow, is Adam Cole, because we know, as far as I know, his, his injury is legit. So yeah. uh, he's going to be out for a while. But if they've pulled a fast one on us and swerved us that well, where it does end up being him, then hats off to him. But other than that, I can't think of anybody else that is on the roster right now that would make me go, wow, I didn't see that coming. Swerve, bro. All right, Matt. Matt, I got two big. This might be the highlight of the podcast. I got two big rounds of questions. We'll start on the first one. I'm gonna go to you again because I, I don't get to talk to you. And I again, I like your perspective. You kind of come in. You gotta come out of out of in, in nowhere, and you just you just kind of lay it on me. So I like this. This is fun. I kind of like I like I like stirring the shit here. All right, first one. Out of all the different things I've heard, you know, Adam Cole. Maybe he's not as maybe he's not injured as bad. Adam Cole, Wardlow. Roderick Strong, Britt Baker, um, who else? Uh, out of all the different names that have been tossed out there in fantasy booking, what or who could possibly, or Jack Perry, what or who could possibly be the devil that would make sense and not be a flop, in your opinion? Well, two different things, right? Uh, make sense and not be a flop. Uh, with... Uh, I believe the reason the devil wasn't revealed at full gears because Adam Cole got injured. I think Adam Cole was due to be the devil. If you think about the, you know, them having the tag titles and if they followed that down, that makes sense to me. Uh, at the same time, in the ring, you know, it appeared to me last week that that was Wardlow, Bennett, Strong, and Taven uh, in the in the outfits. Their body types certainly look like it. 
It certainly wasn't FTR. Um, however, if I was booking, I got it. Like I, I got it. I know who. If I was booking, it would be the elite. The elite want that title. It's their company. They started it. Why does Max have the damn title? It should be the elite. It should be the Bucks, Hangman, and Kenny. And they want that title. And it was them the whole time. And screw the fans for giving up on them. Blah blah blah. All right, that's 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 a that's a spicy little bit of soup there that I could get behind. All right, next one. I'm gonna I'm gonna Matt. I'm gonna start with you again. But Jimmy, get your get your get your bullets uh, in the holster. Next one is with MJF here, and this is something that MJF. We know that we are building to his match against Samoa Joe at World's End, end of this month, in Long Island, MJF's hometown. They still have the Ring of Honor tag titles too, which is theirs. It's another thing. Um, so this is a, this is the deal here, right? We got MJF building to this, this world title match. MJF is again, as we know, not 100 percent healthy. One also point out too, we know MJF has, has been leaning into the whole free agent. As of 2024. And then when you see every poster, every poster in January and February for any AEW event, MJF's not on. Everything with All In in London that they're pushing hard right now, MJF's not even on. That could be a strategic little Tony Khan thing of, well, we're going to lean into not putting you on the promotional material, but you're also doing that at a risk because you're not, if you're trying to sell tickets right now, you're not selling tickets on the account of advertising him. Matt, What's going on with MJF? Is MJF signed? Has he been re-signed quietly to AEW? Or is this so batshit crazy that MJF is the number one guy on AEW and he might be a free agent as of January 1? Tell okay. me. Okay. Well, there is precedent <laughs> with Cody, right? Cody yes. was out of contract. Uh, Sean Sapp uh, puts, it on the, on, uh, puts it out, and the next thing you know, he's in WWE. Uh, it seems to me, hypothetically, if Max uh, signed with AEW uh, and, and is signed with AEW, and he seems to still be into this uh, free agent of 2024 thing, that when he saw the posters or whatever, he would say, hey, make sure I'm not on those posters to keep my thing going. I can see that happening. You know, um, I, I totally think he's signed. There's no way he's not signed. But again, the Cody thing, you know, like, you know, it's it's been known to happen. So if something that crazy happened, I wouldn't be surprised. But if I had money to bet, I'd bet MJF is AW for a while. See, and I kind of bet that way too, Matt. Uh, Jim and Jimmy, I kind of bet that way too. Like I like, like common sense would tell me, you've resigned this guy, mm -hmm. in, in his mid to late twenties. Who's like you? You have to contain. You you can't let him go. You can't have him show up at the Royal Rumble. <laughs> like you know. But then, but you, you talk about the Cody precedent. But I'm all, and this is a little bit less stature. But it, it speaks to the Tony Khan nice guy. I'm going to do nice guy. I'm going to do right by people. But wrestling ain't always about doing right by people. I look at Jay Cargill. Jay Cargill. You know, and Tony Khan wasn't trying to tell me that Jay Cargill's TBS title run was equal to the Goldberg's undefeated run. And I'm sorry, Tony, you're wrong. But but had this big old thing with Jay Cargill. Jay had a run. She finally loses. Then Jay disappears on TV for a long time. Out of, she's out of sight, out of mind. Out of sight, out of mind. People could have forgot about her. But then Tony voluntarily brought her back onto TV. To I mean, she lost the match, but brought her back on TV to lose an advertised match on Rampage. So now you bring her back into people's mind. Now they're tweeting about her again. And then less than two weeks later, she's the, in the headlines of mainstream sports that WWE's acquired her and WWE has made her look like a superstar and she hasn't had one damn match. And so it's like he did, he wanted to do right by her, but I, 
I, I think it's a terrible business way in terms of if, if you knew that she's leaving. Right. So I so so Jimmy, with all that, we we've been blabbing here for a few minutes, Matt. And I. No, no, Jimmy, what, 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 what's the deal? Did MJF resign? Really quickly, really quickly. Uh, let's make it unanimous. I believe he has. But uh, as far as the the, the Jade th- situation, yes, brought her back to have that match on Rampage and lose is not, in my opinion, doing right by her. In his, I'm thinking in his mind, he's thinking, you know, hey, I'm kind of making her look not as strong on the way out. I think that's his mindset. That was his mindset at the time. Uh, not, you know, the, the, Hey, I'm going to be the nice guy and, and put her on TV one more time. Because as you know, the viewing audience for rampage is nowhere near what it is for dynamite. So how many people did actually see it? That being said, this whole MJF thing, he keeps bringing it up. And the one thing that people keep forgetting that at, what is he, 27 years old, 27, 28 years 27, old, late 20s? Yeah. yeah. You know, even if he signs, let's say, a five-year deal, when that five-year deal comes up, guess what? WWE's not going anywhere. If he wants to go, he can still go there, and he's got all that time to really cement a legacy before he gets there and then become an even bigger star when he does arrive there. And, yes, we see what happened with Cody, but I think it's too soon to have another one of those someone transitions from AEW to WWE to go to that level. And he knows that uh, MJ MJF seems like a really smart guy for his, uh, for his uh, age. Let's put it that way. So I think it's more, he signed with them, but he knows how to manipulate the audience. And that's what he's doing right now. Yeah. Well, if he did go to WWE in the next few months, I mean, it, it is a crowded space up on the top there with mm-hmm. punk there and, and Cody there and, Orton's back and you know, LA Knight and all the other people that are emerging. It, it is a crowded right. space, so uh, we'll see. But I, I just, I just, the, if, it, it might be as simple as Matt saying MJF just a smart worker saying, "Hey, take my name off the posters until <laughs> until a later time." But it's I could totally see him doing that. Like that's no, I could too. I it's, it's a, it, uh, yeah. If anybody did that, he would do it. Absolutely. Right. No, I agree. I agree. I agree, um, and, and I and I agree that he's probably the one who had to tell him, "Hey, guys." Yes, that's, that's, that's what I'm getting. I th- I, th- I, th- I think Tony would just had. I think the first mock of the of the posters, Tony probably had him on there, and, and Max is like, "No, stop this," you know. Right, right. Um, but we'll see because look, if World's End comes, MJF could lose his title, and it might just be he loses it because, like, health wise, he needs to take a few weeks or months off, and they just say, oh, "Let's take the title off you." But if he loses it at World's End, that's that's still going to spark some 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 curiosity of exactly. what's going on. Which exactly. to AEW's benefit, as long as they have him signed, they can they can lean into that and play up to that. That's great. As long as they have him signed, as long as the ink is dried and they got him, they're good. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. right, let's keep it moving. Uh, we got a uh, we got a, we got an AEW Women's World Title match here. Tony Storm, timeless Tony Storm, out there. Uh, she gets the introduction from Turner Classic Movies host, and also I see him on the uh, on CBS Sunday Morning. I love this guy, Ben Mankiewicz. Gives a nice introduction to Timeless Tony Storm. She goes up against Sky Blue, and uh, this it's a good match. I'm a, I'm a fan of both these ladies. I could uh, I'm a I'm a big fan of Sky Blue. I want to see more of her. Uh, I know she, she loses in this, but I want to see more of her. Tony Storm, love this character work. I want to see more character work. I want to see more of this. Um, at one point in the match, uh, I think this is fun. She, you know, she's she's got the upper hand. She's posing to the hard camera, and they cut back into the black and white. I thought it was a nice production touch. 
Um, Tony's going to roll up Sky for the win. Um, Sky almost had her. It was like Sky had the momentum, and the momentum was rolled and shifted. So, again, it was kind of like to protect Sky Blue. Tony wins. Um, not surprised here. Tony retains. And then after the match, Riho comes out. Now, Riho, of course, is forever going to have the accolade of being the first ever AEW Women's World Champion. Um, Matt, thoughts on Tony Storm? I don't think it's a surprise that she re- she beats and retains to Sky Blue here, but if you want to give Sky Blue any, any thoughts, you can. But Tony retains, but then Riho. Matt, I think Tony Storm is one of the most interesting characters that AEW Television is is putting out right now. I think Riho is about the exact opposite of all of that. But maybe Rio, I'm harsh. Yeah, Rio's not the foil. Like right, Rio's not the foil that Tony Storm needs at this time to keep elevating her status. I'm not sure who is. Maybe Chris Statlander, right? Maybe, you know, just somebody uh, who 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 just can play off of that character. It's so interesting, AEW, I said earlier, there's waves crashing different directions. So on the one hand, we have the G1 tournament going on. And the other hand, we have a, a silent movie star, you know? So we're going in the WWE direction one way, going to the New Japan direction in, in the other way. It's not exactly a comfortable fit or a, or a cogent show. And I'm sure people tuning in, if you tune in for the first time and you saw like a 20-minute Roosh Moxley classic and then see Tony Storm come out, you're probably going, what in the hell Tony Soprano fever dream is this television show I'm watching? Yeah, uh, I mean, Jimmy, I mean, talk about Tony Storm, but then talk about Riho. And I mean, again, maybe, and, and, and if, if if you like Riho, if I'm if I'm on the minority here, that's fine. But I just look at this, and I look at this from a visual standpoint because it, it is a visual business, and mm-hmm. I go, Tony Storm is not big in stature, but she's big with this personality and this character. But then I look at Riho. Riho looks about the size of a middle schooler. She doesn't cut any live English promos. I could not. If my life depended on me, define what her character is. I, I, I could not define what what gimmick she is or what like what she is. What's her backstory? She, she looks like she has no physical threat to any. The the choice that 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 the damn roster is so inflated. We have so many people on contract. That's who we're gonna bring out to be the next opponent. Yeah, Tony someone- Storm. Like you said, uh, people get invested in the characters and the personalities, and 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 you talk. Pe- how, how many times do I have to say it? You talk people in front of their television sets, or you talk them into buying tickets to go see something live, or to buy a pay per view or a premium live event, whatever you want to call it. You know what I'm saying? And and this uh, again, you talk about taking someone out of a match. I thought the match with with uh, with Tony Storm and Sky Blue was a fine match finally getting a, you know, a women's title match on television and stuff like that, but then trying to cram too much afterwards. And, you know, all you had to do is have Tony Storm cut a promo at the end saying, oh, well, what is next for the timeless Tony Storm in black and white? And then maybe the screen does something. You don't have to have that, all that physicality afterwards. It is, as I say every week, 20 pounds of potatoes in a 10-pound bag. You didn't need it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, and I, I want to be positive to something here besides Tony. Like Sky Blue again, has a look. I think she's pretty good in the ring. When she, when I, I've heard a few promos, when she does speak, I kind of do get like she, she's, she's kind of sassy. I kind of get into it. I mean, I'm so I'm, I, I'd be more for Sky Blue chasing down Tony Storm or us trying to find a way to extend this. I, the Riho thing just, 
again, you're trying to sell tickets, and it's, I, I, I don't think she's moving one ticket in North America. I don't. Yeah. Know. Even even if sorry sorry Matt, even if they steal the gimmick that they're doing with Shinsuke right now, where she's cutting a promo on the screen and they do the subtitles or something like that, it's just there's something it hasn't got me, hasn't drawn me in. Let's well, even that. if they did that visually, she's not. I, I, she doesn't look. She doesn't look like she could be a threat. I know it's different, but I know Jap. Matt, you know, in wrestling, of course, we're used to talk us off the ledge. Talk us off the ledge. Who are not, you know, who are not physically, uh, you know, as imposing, do well. But this, to me, is uh, a booking philosophy that may not have served Tony Khan well over the years, which is make the match, then create a reason for them, as opposed to create the reason and then make the match as the result. You know, so you throw these two together. I'm not that into it, but maybe something happens. Maybe there's a reason. Maybe she sees her backstage and throws a pie in her face. I don't know. Something as opposed to her just running to the ring and said, I'm back. Give me the shot or whatever. And like we said, not the greatest foil for where Tony Storm is right now. Yeah, I just. My nine-year-old daughter looks like more of a threat than Riho. I don't buy it. Don't buy it. All right, Continental Classic. Continuing, Jay White versus Jay Lethal. Um, here's one thing I do really like about the Continental Classic. A big positive to this. You have a match between Jay White and Jay Lethal. They both are have an abundance of entourage that normally stroll with them. I love the fact that this tournament enforces nobody at ringside. Love that. Got the match between these two. I didn't have to have all the goo goo gaga of Satnam Singh, Jeff Jarrett, and everybody else who's with Jay Lethal, and then the rest of the Bullet Club Gold and the ass boys that would be with Jay White. So I really like that. That's actually one thing I haven't said that enough, and I wanted to say it now that I like about the classic is at least it gives me a stipulation of because AEW overdoes it too much, I think, with the outside that they're telling me no outside interference. We are going to get a finish without outside interference. So that I want to put it right there. I like. Um, Jay White's going to get a win, though. It is going to be another variation of a roll-up. Uh, let's wait, counterweight here between the two. So six points for Jay White. Uh, Jay Lethal has zero points. Uh, Jimmy, um, this is our last Continental Classic match on the night. Your thoughts? No, I, I I didn't have an issue with the match. I had an issue with the finishes, as you could probably guess. If anybody who follows me online, that, that the roll-up has uh, some variation of the roll-up has become the most devastating finisher in all of pro wrestling, and it's not just in AEW; it's happening a, a lot, a lot of places. Uh, again, you know, what was the move? I'm trying to think of what the name of that move was. It was a, it, it's the brainbuster. You know, people are kicking out of brain busters, stuff off the top ropes, the twisting, burning 450 hammer phoenix splashes, and uh, you know, we had a roll-up earlier. If the we match, didn't have the, roll- the match before, yeah, the roll-up. Yeah, if we didn't have the, the roll-up earlier, I wouldn't have had as much of a problem with it this time. But too much of the same thing is happening over and over again, repetition. And that's 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 what's hurting a, a lot of these matches. Like in, in these tournament matches, all of them fought outside for extended periods of time, too. So, you know. Wow. <laughs> Shout out to Ethan Cruz in the chat. Brock Lesnar should have ended the streak with a roll-up. Roll 
Oh, oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> Could you imagine? Stone Cold's told the story of how he was sitting in the production truck drinking beer next to Kevin Dunn. He had no idea that, that Lesnar was going to win that year. <laughs> Lesnar would a schoolboy take her. Oh, wow. uh, uh, Matt, uh, Jay White versus Jay Lethal. Any thoughts you want to give up on this one? Yeah, it was uh, too much, too much Cardinal Classic. I like AEW. I want AEW to, to rule. I, I like what they, what they stand for in a lot of ways. But with this Continental Classic, it's, you know, it's so much of the show is being taken up by these long matches. Uh, it's not really for me. You know, like, I, I, I like a good match, but it's TV wrestling television. And we become accustomed to a certain thing where, you know, it's entertaining all the time. So, you know, it was fine. As far as the point, the thing you like is something I don't like, really, is the fact that there's no interference allowed in the Continental Classic matches. But the rest of the time, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Just whatever. Just have a clowns come out with hammers and whatever. You know, but the Continental <laughs> Classic, you can't do it. So well, normally but... we, there's no rules, but there really are, you know, there's no rules. But this, if you don't follow, it's like they can't stop somebody from getting attacked with a beer bottle, but they can <laughs> they can set the rules straight on outside interference in these matches. There's a certain uh, hilarity to that. Well, yeah, everybody wears the dog collar, and there's an invisible fence around the ring when there's a kind of classic match going on. No, I, but you're, no, you're you're not wrong, Matt. It, it, it's kind of you know I've joked with Jimmy in the, in the past. It's to the point sometimes with AEW. It's like, I, and I, you know, I know we all, you know, it's well documented. Tony loves his um his original ECW. It's almost like j just say that this match has AEW rules. Like how there was ECW rules, which basically meant no DQ and no count out. Like just, well, just I, say I, that. Yeah, I assume it is if Mike Knox is in the ring. Like if Mike Knox is in the ring, I assume everybody, not just in the ring, but in the building, you're on your own. Okay, you're on your own. <laughs> Fight for your life. Because um, he was off there's, TV there's no for a while. Rules. He just resurfaced yeah. in the last two weeks. He just resurfaced. His, his, his suspension I, must be up. I, yeah, I think he was a, a victim of the disciplinary committee. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, he probably didn't even notice the meeting was going on. You know what I'm saying? Like he was, he, he was, he was in the other room. He didn't even notice it. Didn't even see that, that the meeting was on. So, you know what? And again, we have a, we're on a show with a referee. So like, like, you know, I'm not, I can't, you know, AEW rules and everything get under whatever. Yeah. They, we, they're, they're certainly always under fire and, you know, for justified reason. I actually think the, the AEW referee who I think that people draw attention to maybe because she's a female and you know, there's female referees in pro wrestling now, but still not as many years, not as, as the norm as for as many years. And I know that she sometimes can make weird face. Over. I actually think out of the referees, I think Aubrey Edwards is, can, to me overall is probably the best of the AEW referees. Hmm. I, I like Paul I, Turner. Yeah, I was gonna, I was just going to say I would lean towards Paul would be Paul my Turner. number two. I and and I mean that, yeah. that's based upon like again, and I, I'm just I'm I'm a I'm if, a jo if, I'm a jabroni. That's me watching where they're at in the ring. It's me watching like Bryce. I'm sorry, I know Bryce gets all the main events. Bryce is scared. Bryce is scared as shit to hit the mat unless it's a finish. He is right. scared as shit to touch the mat unless it's a finish. And I'm like, could you could, 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 like come on? This is this is not slow motion it, dramatic TV here. And, and stop selling everything that's happening to the boys. When the boys get punched in the face, don't sell your own chin and stuff like that. And as far as as Aubrey goes, I'm not saying she's a bad referee. It's just that sometimes I feel like she she's in there posing as opposed to 
you know, yeah, yeah. I don't know it's, yeah. how to explain well, it. I mean, well, I mean, put it this way. Paul, Paul's, the, uh, Paul's the best from things I see and obviously things you see, Jimmy, and also size-wise. Aubrey's actually taller, and obviously I know you want your refs to be size-wise. You, you, you want them to – you don't want well, them to, 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 to be competitive to size to your talent. So Paul fits that too because he's also a smaller size. That, that, I know that's that's the the old school way of thinking, especially in WWE. You don't want your referees to to <laughs> overshadow the talent, that's for sure. But it, it works in in UFC. I mean, like Big John. You know, yeah, but but, but but I know it's different. Yeah, but but, but and, and I'll argue. I respect you to death, Jim. I'll argue with you all night to this. And <laughs> in, in UFC, where you know it's a shoot fight. Big John gives me credibility that Big John McCarthy, a credibility of, oh, if he's going to step in there, he can stop these two MFers because if he has yeah. to. In right. pro wrestling, it's like where everything is build heights, build weights. Everybody's supposed to be b- bigger than life. Um, you know, it, 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 if Bryce's technique was better, he'd be perfect because he's he's so small. <laughs> but he, as we said, he's just. Mm. Yeah, so he's, it, it, they need to make it feel like the, the referees in wrestling need to be. Uh, respected by the talent for the, you know, uh, maybe they bring up the disciplinary committee on TV and the referees are part of, I don't know, something like that. I don't know. Well, here was two guys, one in particular that definitely respected the, uh, the, the referee and the rules at one point here. Let's go to our main event. Adam Copeland versus Christian Cage for the TNT Championship. It's been advertised now here for, excuse me, two weeks in Montreal, so uh, you know, they're both from Toronto, but still promoting and playing off the Canada angle. Um, get this match, and, and, and this is actually this actually to me is a bit of a draw. I, I had interviewed Adam Copeland uh, several weeks ago, uh, and I, I asked him. I said, "Hey, how many matches have you and he he, he he couldn't with a straight face refer to him as Christian, so we called him Jay. How many matches have you and Jay actually had?" And he said he really thought maybe like four or five at most singles matches, you know, uh, televised and and, and not much more even house show wise. Like they really had not had a lot of matches in their career, even when they split off and being a tag team in WWE. So for me, that was kind of intriguing to go into this is here. You know, you're building a TV show around this feud and their promos have been pretty good and this and that. And they got a lot, they got 40 plus years of history. So Go. We get a main event uh, entrance, big title match kind of entrance and introductions from the ring announcer. Uh, there's a holy shit chant before they've even touched. And and the, the, uh, to their credit, they have done a good job in this feud of not touching each other um, and, and staying apart here. Um, Copeland, early on, aggressive, stops and blocks any of the uh, Christian Cade tricks that he might do, cuts that off. Um, we get a great false finish of... Copeland goes with a spear. Christian leapfrogs it, and then he transitions into a kill switch. Um, you know, the ref gets bumped. We don't see the bump cleanly by what the TV camera show, but then Christian kind of goes for the next level and nut shots referee Bryce Remsburg. Uh, then they're both of them are going to go for a double spear. They both hit bump heads. They're both down, double down. Nick Wayne's mom, Shayna, comes out, and she hits Copeland with the belt and ultimately we get a kill switch and then a stomp on the of course very delicate neck by christian so christian gets the victory and retains uh what well, uh, so, uh, something else in this match i didn't mention as i was saying they respect the referees as they're fighting they're fighting on the outside copeland 
rolls back in the ring, rolls back out to break the count because he can't win the title unless the, we keep the, the count out from not happening. So, um, Jimmy, I just feel as you're the fellow Canadian, it's only proper to go to you for all this. I, I know a lot of this match was really, really well done. Not totally sold on the Shane Wayne thing and execution, but uh, walk me through how do you uh, how you digested this whole thing? No, I did. I, I did enjoy the match. These guys worked a hell of a match because they have that chemistry together. Uh, I found it interesting uh, during the introductions. They introduced uh, Adam Copeland, but they introduced. Uh, Christian Cage from Orangeville, Ontario. And for people in the States who don't realize it, there is a little bit of a, I a heat, yeah, heat yeah. issue between uh, uh, Quebecois, who are French Canadians uh, labeled, they're bilingual, mostly in Quebec, and Canada. It's kind of like this internal rivalry, so to speak. It's, 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 it's nothing like that would turn into anything serious, but you know what I mean? There's, yeah. there's heat between, let's say, Ontario and Quebec, for example. And I love the fact that during the introductions, they took advantage of that because once they said Orangeville, Ontario, the crowd started booing really bad for Christian. And the, even though Adam is from the same place, but they yeah, didn't. But they, but, they, but they didn't announce it. They just said they, yes. they went right to Copeland's weight and just said. So, right. So they were thinking in that direction. And, and they told a good story during their match. The only thing is, again, we, th- we talk about the ending and how what you remember at the end. Um, okay. We we kind of missed the match, but it looks like uh, Bryce got grazed and he was selling and hunched over. And then the kick from behind, the low kick from Christian, and he's out like a light. Uh, you know, maybe that would have been a good time for him to like roll out of the ring so he's not there. And that's when you have the whole situation with Nick Wayne's mom coming down and and doing the belt thing and 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 doing that. But at the same time, you try to put a little bit of credibility on the refs. You don't have a second ref eventually come down to make the pinfall because after a kick like that, trust me, you don't come back and count the way he counted. He went from like zero to hero back to zero again, just for the the finish. And it it could have been something as simple as Christian or Jay walking over and dragging him over, you know, pulling him over to where, where, where Adam was covered and saying count or even grab his hand and count three. Something different, something to make you want to see more. I don't know. It just, uh, I, I, don't get me wrong. I love these two guys to death. I like the match. It's just, again, the ending took me out of it. Matt, what say you? Did this ending uh, help or hurt this match? Oh, it definitely hurt. Like, I guess the idea, right, is at the end of this match, we want to be, we want to see more. We want to be compelled to see more of what uh, Christian Edge have in store for us. But I don't think it did that. First of all, the match was really good. The buildup was expertly done. Uh, it made it a very intriguing match as opposed to two WWE guys getting together, which is essentially what it is. The buildup was fantastic. Um, the match was very good. But I'm not in on the Shayna character like being this pivotal person to come. And, and also, it just seemed like uh, there were other ways to end the match to make it more compelling. So, um, you know, uh, glad I watched it. I think you'll do a good rating for them, but I'm not sure if the program's hotter now than it was before the night started. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it, it would seem like with Christian, the heel winning and retaining that this is not the last of the matches between those, between these two, but you know, Matt, kind of what you're now, saying. Now, if Shana, go ahead, go ahead. if Shana makes out with Christian, okay. Ooh. 
then, then, then they, you know, then we got something. And I was thinking about the ramifications about it. I'm like, can they do that? Like, I don't know. Would that seem like a Russo-esque thing or would it work, you know? But it just seemed like, like it's like a whose side is she on kind of thing. It's, it's just very strange. And she's not uh, been created enough as a compelling character for us to care that much. I'm not going to lie. If she, she would have made out with Christian, I probably would have had a little bit more oomph behind all this. I'm your, I'm your real daddy now, Nick. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, Oh yeah. Yeah. But she did just bury a husband, so I'm not sure. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I know you're about to say it's wrestling. It's wrestling. There's no rules. Yeah, never say never in this business, as they say. You're carny even when you go to the grave, right? Ah, whatever. That's the story. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what we're. We'll see where this goes. Commentary, of course, is trying to sell this too. That like she has a grudge against Copeland because of what Adam did to her son you know, several weeks back in the, the backstage or whatever. So uh, you know, we'll, we'll see where this goes. Um, and she's I, been I, waiting. I, she's been waiting for her opportunity, waiting been, for yeah. opportunity for revenge. And this was the perfect time to get it. She's back at the monitor just seeing, oh, now I can do it. She just happened. She just happened to be in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Yeah, she just happens to be there. She's uh, She brought Nick some uh, some French fries. For McDonald's and some poutine, um, poutine. some poutine, and yes. she's at the monitor. Tony Lush backstage. She's like, "I'll be right back." She runs around the corner, and then and then beats up uh, Edge and finally gets her revenge. So a plan well hatched, uh, Miss uh, Miss Wayne. No poutine. This is more like American Little League. Nick Nick <laughs> Nick was there playing wrestler. She was she was she was team mom. She brought some orange slices. She some brought up some carrot sticks. And some carrot sticks. <laughs> yeah, that's wow. all it was. That's all it was. Hey, uh, hopefully, hopefully they all went out to, to Schwartz's deli afterwards because that's anyways. Never mind. That's getting your, getting, your, get, getting your cheap plugs on there, Jimmy. No man, that, that trust me. Uh, let me quick quick story for you. The night before the the infamous Montreal. Screwjob. It's it's a famous uh, smoked meat place in in Montreal called Schwartz's Delicatessen, and it was late night the night before the infamous night at at the the Bell Center. Uh, where it's a lineup, and we're lined up outside, and we're like maybe ten five, less than ten feet from the door now. Going, yes, we're going to get our sandwiches here, and we hear behind us, "Whoa, look at this motley crew!" And we look back, and it's Pat, and it's Vince, and it's like, we're like oh. Uh, yeah, we got your spot up here. <laughs> but, so, so, so was, Vince, so Vince and Pat are fresh off of concocting the screw job that's going to happen twenty four later, twenty four hours later, and and getting Brett and everybody on board, getting Hebner on board, and it's time for smoked meat, huh? Exactly. You got to got to celebrate in some form or fashion, right? Vince probably asked if they had raw veal. Like you have raw veal, just something strange for me. <laughs> Jim, I guess it's appropriate. We're, you know, we we just came off the m- month of November and Survivor Series, and of course we're talking about uh, Montreal here mm-hmm. this week with AEW. Did you hear? I mean, I mean, look, statute of limitations have, li- have lifted. You're fine, right? I, I don't think you ever knew what was going. I don't think anybody knew except for the parties involved. But like, given the situation of Brett's leaving, I'm sure you'd heard Brett's leaving. He's gone right. to WCW, and of course there was no state seeker that he and Sean you didn't get along. Well, of course, like. What were you hearing the night? But could you, could, do you remember like like what was the juice going into the pay per view match the next night? Like what did you what were you what, what did you think was going to happen? That Brett was just going to do business and it was just going to be that he would drop the title and just move on to Atlanta. 
that's what we thought the night before. And then what we were told outside of Earl, the other referees was, okay, this is what's going to happen in the match. It's going to end in a schmoz. You guys go out and break everything up. And, you know, that's it. That's how we're going home at the end of the pay-per-view. And that's what we thought. And, and as I, I probably have told you this, Justin, that I was standing right beside uh, um, Bruce Pritchard in Gorilla because Bruce was Manny Gorilla that night, uh, watching the monitor when Earl took the bump and, you know, and Sean got bred in the sharpshooter. And as you know, we wear IFBs in the ring so the mm-hmm. referees can hear. Bruce was the man talking to us that night. I'm standing right beside Bruce and I hear somebody say, okay, now Earl, get up, get up now, Earl. And I'm looking at Bruce and he's not the one pushing the button, talking into the microphone. So it had to come from the truck. And then that's when he got up, rang the bell and he took off and he ran through and all like that. And then- so from the truck. So, 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 so Kevin Dunn. It, it had to be Kevin Dunn. I can't think of anybody else who would be in this. So Vince had to clue Kevin Dunn in, too, at some point. Yeah. Somebody, well, definitely somebody from the truck knew. Yeah. 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 Wow. And Bruce has said he didn't know at the time. No, he yeah, didn't because you should. Yeah. Earl, what are you doing? What's he doing? And yeah. he even, I think at one Which, point he looked up at me and goes, What is he doing? I said, I don't know. Which that makes sense because obviously Vince is trying to protect as many people as possible and not have right. them be implicated. But. But right. poor Earl, you know, like oh. uh, Earl lives close by, and uh, I've I've met him many times, and I I like David very much, his brother. Um, oh, I... But man, B- B- Earl still wears that man; he still mm-hmm. carries it with him, as with more guilt and shame than anybody really thinks he should have. So uh, they put Earl in a terrible position there. Yeah, absolutely. Jimmy, were you still standing there in Gorilla when uh, all the parties came through? When Sean came through, when Brett came through, were you still there? No, not when not with Brett, because Brett stayed out there for a while and smashed uh, but, shit up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I w- wasn't going out there then. He was yeah. hotter than you yeah. know what. So I went to the back where the main monitor was, where the you know the boys all sit and watch the monitor. There's a, they have a nice little setup there. So I'm sitting there and I'm watching the monitor, and they've got the 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 camera on Sean as he's walking back, and he looks all you know pissed off and blah blah blah. But just before he goes leaves the arena and goes through the curtain. He raises the belt up and he raises his hands and then cuts through the curtain. And then as he exits to the gorilla position and comes into the area where the monitor is, he sees that the boys are all still there wondering like, what the heck did we just watch? You know, he's That's crazy. That's ridiculous. I don't want it this way. And he throws the belt down and he acted like, Hmm. you know, he wasn't a safe um, face kind of. Yeah. He he put on a show. He, yeah. He put yes. on a show for y'all. How nice of him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we found out later, of course, he put on a show. But, uh, um, yeah, that's that's what I saw. And then after that, it was like, unfortunately, I had to get changed to get out there and get onto ring crew. But uh, as you found, we all found out later, a lot of activity went on afterwards. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. God, have you ever thought, Jimmy, hmm. what you would have done had you been the one that was cast as the referee for that match? I know, I know, I know. Earl typically took the title matches mm-hmm. in the main events in that time, you know, in 1997. I but it could have been you. Like right, I mean, it could like if 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 if, if I, I don't know, but I'm just saying, like if they said uh, Earl's not wanting to do this or, or Earl's sick or whatever, and, like if you had to be, if you know, and, oh, it's not going to be right. Kyoto, it's not going to be Doan, it's going to be it's going to be Corderas. Like right. you ever thought about what the, what the f would you have done if, if they asked you to do this? I'm, I, you know, I. 
of course I've thought about it. I'm sure pretty much every referee there that night thought about it. What would they do if they were put in that situation? And I would probably uh, be honest with you guys and say, I would have probably done what Earl did. Yeah. You know, that's your job, uh, man. That's your, I mean, yeah. that's, that's yeah. your, that's your, that's your paycheck. Like, and, you know, that's, you know. And, and, you know, I gotta, I gotta, you know, I give props to our locker room leader, the undertaker who kind of didn't, didn't, I don't want to say he sided with Earl, but he understood Earl's position. He knew that Earl was caught in a rock and a hard place and there was no way he was going to make it, you know, either side happy. So, you know, he said, Hey, cut Earl some slack. He did what he had to do to, to keep his job yeah. basically, which is what a lot of us do here. <laughs> you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, M neck, uh, what did Taker say? Taker didn't really do much that night. Really. It was more the next night. It was kind of like, or, or was that, or was that night he told Vince, you need to go address the boys. It was one of those nights Taker said, you need to go address the boys. Right. Yeah. And, and he did before the raw, he yeah. addressed everybody. Yeah. yeah. Wild times. All right. Well, that was a good little, 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 little bonus to the DVDs tonight of, uh, of, of Montreal history here. Uh, so that was dynamite that we did a few minutes ago. Uh, so certainly dynamite on an interesting path here on, as we finish out 2023, going to this world's end pay-per-view again, I, I what's MJF situation, all that stuff. Hopefully we'll get clarity. Who's the devil. Hopefully we'll get clarity sooner rather than later. Uh, appreciate everybody who's been live in the chat room tonight. If you're not watching us live, if you're listening to us on demand, as uh, it's the most popular thing to do with audio on you know Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever. We appreciate you there, too. Leave a comment. Leave a nice rating. Whatever you can share. Tell a friend. That's always appreciated. Uh, gentlemen, hard uh, final opinions and give your plugs for your brands. Uh, do, 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 do all the cheap pops and cheap thrills that you want. Matt, go ahead. Kick it off. Well, just follow me at Matt Kuhn Music. I'll have new music coming out this month. Um, and also uh, the show. Uh, it was a very bipolar show. There were so many different things going on that didn't seem like they were part of the same show. It was okay. It wasn't great. Uh, the matches were good, but um, it wasn't like this amazing dynamite. Yeah. Uh, Matt, what kind of music? I mean, again, I know we talked about it a little bit Monday. Like, get people some, you know, p- you know promote your stuff. I mean, you, do you play all instruments? Like, how do you I do, do, how do, you do I this? I do. I play all instruments, and I record uh, right where I'm sitting right now. Um, yeah. And wow. I, I what. I, the kind of music I'd say there's going to be uh, funky stuff and rocking stuff and jazzy stuff and um, New Orleans sounding stuff. So all kinds of different styles. You know, credibility's a little on the line. I'm known as the music guy, and I also have a music school where I teach 150 kids every week. So I got to make sure that it's uh, um, you know it's good, or else I'm just a joke. So uh, I think it's good. I'm pretty confident in it, that people are going to like it. But it's different. Just encourage people to listen to it. I appreciate it. Awesome. That's awesome. And just and just a quick little thing uh, that, that makes me happy because uh, back when I was in school, I was in the school band. I played saxophone. Which oh, nice. Nice. Cool, yeah. Got some saxophone students. Nice. nice. Well, I played bass. So if we can get, if we can get some drums going, well, well, we can do something here. Mm-hmm. We can make something here. No, I, Matt, love, I, I love playing bass. Bass is an Matt, amazing instrument. Yeah, Matt, that's, that's always fascinating to me. Like, uh, like I, I think I think Billy Corgan did it for like one of the one, at least one of the smashing public. Like, you know, doing all the instruments doing it all and making it and then like all right here guys you're gonna come learn all this stuff like that's just that's always fascinating to me to be able to have that talent to do that man i tell you it's more it's more of a skill than a talent you know it's like you work 
you work hard on anything, you can get, get good enough at it. Music is not, and I've learned this from teaching, music is not this thing for a select few people. It's for people who just want to do it. That's it, you know? So mm-hmm. when I was younger, I played guitar. I wanted to have some bass playing on there, so I learned how to play bass. Started teaching, started teaching drums and uh, other instruments and learning other instruments just to make music and to teach. And uh, we have some amazing students. We've had uh, four All-State Jazz students this this year, which is probably more than any high school. Uh, so we're uh, it's going really well, and I love playing music, and it's uh, part of me for sure. Dude, that's all. Nice. Matt, I mean, if you want, give. I, I know we're speaking to the world here on the podcast, but for anybody who can is within reasonable oh, driving sure. distance of Richmond, like what, how, like yeah. how can they find this? It's called Mako Music, M A K O Music School, and uh, you can find us online um, and Facebook and Instagram, and um, we have our big concert coming up at the Broadberry, uh, which is a great venue, uh, January twenty first. So yeah, that's that's my my full time gig is like teaching Led Zeppelin and Michael Jackson. My part-time gig is talking about <laughs> wrestling. So once in a while, I have to take a step back and go, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I'm not doing too bad. This is a good way uh, to that's, that's, nice. not, that's not a bad way to make a living. That's pretty cool. Uh, man, that's awesome. Check it out. Again, if you're can, if you're within reasonable distance of Richmond, um, check that out. That's pretty. That's, that's, that's really, really cool. Uh, Jimmy, uh, final thoughts on tonight's Dynamite and uh, plug it away. Again, a mixed bag of stuff I enjoyed and stuff that made me scratch my head and go, hmm, and gave me some fodder for my reference, which I do on all my social media platforms from Monday to Friday, which is a one minute long video, which, like I say, I critique something not to tear down, but to what I hope tighten screws that I believe need tightening. And of course, you can catch me here, uh, usually with you, Justin, on Monday nights and Wednesday nights after Raw and Dynamite, uh, respectfully. And you can catch me and my good brother in stripes, Brian Hebner. Uh, on the Roughing It Up podcast. Held together. Thank you, RJ, for keeping the glue together. And uh, this week, we got Elijah Burke. Very good. Very good, very good. Uh, check that out, uh, the Roughing podcast. Love me some Brian Hebner, fellow Washington football fan. And Richmond. And Richmond. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. Right. Hanover Richmond County. County. Yep. Yes. Richmond time. Um, yeah, you know, tonight's dynamite. I'm gonna. It was a kind of a neutral. You know, I mean, we're we, the, this tournament. We're kind of in, in this neutral pace with the tournament. Uh, the MJF's devil stuff. I thought it was gonna end last month, so we're kind of like. I feel like everything's in neutral. I feel like everything's in neutral until we get to the to the world's end. I feel like everything's targeted to that. And uh, boy, hopefully, we get a lot of answers uh, for that. Uh, follow me at Justin Labar across the socials, uh, Twitter, Instagram, whatever your fancy be. I'm here on Mondays. I'm here on Wednesdays on Wrestling Inc. Friday morning, Spar with the Bar. Myself and David Greca and Thunder Rosa on Sirius XM Radio, Busted Open Channel 156. And then now, Busted Open truly is 24-7, seven days a week, the seventh day being Sunday. So I'm co-hosting every single Sunday, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern time uh, with my uh, partner, Jonathan Hood, very good uh, radio guy, very good wrestling mind. And so Sunday mornings, which is great because, you know, you got so much happening on Saturday nights now with these PLEs and pay-per-views and, you know, and and it's Sunday. So we can kind of like wrap up even the week that was. We can kind of like catch all everything. So Sunday morning, busted open. Please join us. It's been a blast in our first two episodes and we got a lot more to come. Thanks to everybody who was chatting live with us and supporting this podcast here on Wrestling Inc. Uh, Again, if you're not live, if you're if you're watching, listen after the fact, that's good too. comment subscribe do all the things we appreciate it uh that's gonna do it tonight for matt for jimmy i'm justin be good be safe smoke them if you got them